Welcome to a place where two HR professionals who happen to be twins, by the way, have shop talk about HR, careers, and all the things you want to say at work but won't. The Career Salon is a place to relax, a place to learn, and a place to be yourself. This is a judgment-free zone where we put it all on the table to become better. We learn many things from our guests and hope you grab a couple of things to take with you as well. We spend most of our time at work, so let's talk about what that means. Come on in. The salon is open. Our guest for this episode is Kyle Samuels, founder and chief executive officer of Creative Talent Endeavors. Kyle found his passion for improving organizations through talent after early career roles in tech, entertainment, and executive search. After earning his MBA, he joined GE's legendary rotational HR leadership program before moving to Young Brands, where he held several leadership roles. Kyle has a BA in political science from Ohio University and holds an MBA from Purdue University. Please welcome Kyle to the Career Salon. Career Salon podcast with the HR twins, and we're back. Joining <laughs> uh, right. us, we hadn't recorded a podcast in a while because such is life. Uh, busy, busy, busy. But the person that we have with us joining us for this podcast is a great way to bring us back into consistency. And that is none other than Kyle Samuels, the owner of CTE Creative Talent Endeavors. Um, just anything that Kyle does, he's a world like networker, connector, anything that he does, you look at him like that's money, right? Everything that Kyle does, he touches, it just turns into gold. And so we're excited to have him in the salon with us today. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. Happy to see you guys and thank you for the comment. Yes, yes. We're super excited to have you, uh, you know, with us, you've been, you know, from the, I'm in Dallas, we're both in Dallas, and Kyle used to be in Dallas, and so I met Kyle through networking, and he's just been an amazing person that I've met, and um, just such a good business person to know, very well-versed in the, the talent world. So, Kyle, we want you to give our audience a little snapshot of, you know, CTE and who you are. Um, so they can get to know you. For sure. Thank you. Um, so Creative Talent Endeavors or CTE, we do two things. We do executive search and we do human capital consulting. Um, what makes us different from other firms is first off, we're a little younger. We turned six years old today. Or no, I'm sorry, this year. So we're a kindergartner. But also, um, well, listen, like you, you said, it's the money cash, right? And so it is about executing work the best way we can for our clients. But one of the things that sets us apart is the fact that, you know, our company is not monolithic. We have people from all races, ethnicities, ages, religions, schools, et cetera, working together. And that is because, listen, super pro-black, let's go. But I would never have a company with all like people like me because I don't know what women think about it. I don't know what white people think about it. I don't know what older people, younger people, like those are all mm-hmm. visions. And so... um I don't do it just to feel good because, like, I'm black. I can have all white people working for me and no one can say anything, right? Okay. But I realize that there's actually a business reason, a business impact to having a bunch of employees with different worldview scopes, experiences. And so I think it's one of the things that makes us stronger is when we're talking to clients, 
we're actually doing it. We're, we're proof that it works. So I think that helps. And then um, what did you ask? How I started the company? Or yeah. Why, started the company? why you started CTE? Yeah. So I'll go back really quickly. My career has, I'd say, three stages. Right out of school, uh, went into technology for a couple of years, did programming, never touched the <laughs> program anymore. Then I moved into entertainment. Programming was great because it gave me a work ethic, right? It's like it's you, it's code, figure it out. It's very empirical. The success is a clean code. Did you live it on time? Boom. Then I went to entertainment and um, I started in one of the management uh, training programs at one of the big uh, Hollywood agencies at the time. And that was good, which got me my third career, which I'm going to hit because first few years of my career was just do good work. You'll be promoted. It's great. Then I got to the place where you literally live and breathe. The adage is not what you know, it's who you know. And so um, I very quickly realized like, hey, all this introvert stuff is cool. But if you want to get where you want to get, you better figure out how to interact with other human beings and do it well. And so entertainment was fantastic for that. So I spent two years there and then actually moved to recruiting. Right. And so you think about recruiting, it's people start as a research analyst and then work my way up to a recruiter. And so the reason why all those things link is especially because we do a lot of work in tech, but I can speak to a technical person because I did it for a little bit earlier in my career. Um, entertainment from a functional standpoint, not as much, but just in terms of understanding the value of networking, um, being sure that you can be of value to other people before they even ask and volunteering it has been great for building networks. And then if you think about recruiting, it's an insane job. Like you guys are sisters and you may not even know what each person makes, but like I'm a recruiter Hey, Camille, so, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was the thing, right? You talk to someone in a half hour, you know everything they make with their partner may not know, right? And how do you do that? You have to build a rapport and make someone very comfortable. And again, I'm no spring chicken, so I started recruiting. We're just on phone. So, like, you're not even getting the face. It's just a voice saying. Yes, thanks. Right? So, yeah, it's all been additive, um, and it's gotten me to this point. Yes, I mean, I love that the fact that I think recruiters are, um, or, you know, people that live in this world are best when they have a well-rounded background. So I love that. I, I think our, our backgrounds are parallel a little bit because I, um, our undergrad degree is in IT, right? We thought we were going to be developers, business app analysts, something in IT. Or like, we know all this stuff and then... 9-11 happened and we couldn't even get into IT because of the recession. So, but just to have that knowledge, it does give you a leg up when you're recruiting to, to have that experience and for people to know, hey, they're like, they know what I'm talking about. I don't have to break it down to them. So yeah, definitely. You had a previous background in all these different industries and different departments that you might have weaved in and out of during your tenure when before you started CTE. But what are some things, lessons learned that you took away from those experiences that inform how you help your clients at CTE? That's a good one. I've never had that question asked. Um, the first thing that came to mind actually came from entertainment. And I've been working on brevity this year, so I'm going to try to keep it short. But long story short, super big fan of like hip hop and music industry, blah, 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 blah. There was a legendary, um, you know, uh, God bless the dead, Chris Lighty is a legendary like manager, record label exec, you know, Mona Scott's partner, Violator Records, right. And so the company I was working for, working for at the time when I was in the leadership program, they had a partnership with his company. So I'm in the cafeteria, me and Chris Light, two black dudes. 
probably the only person in that room who really, really knows who he is. And again, me, how are you doing? And left. And that was it. That was it. And so I often thought back in my career about that and how, like, that's not me anymore. And I think about, I always believe that pain is the best teacher. And it's like, what would have happened? You know what I'm saying? If I had actually just, like, spoken to him or whatever and wasn't all nervous or whatever. So for me, it's no fear. I don't really get nervous calling people or speaking with people. All someone can do is say no, mm-hmm. right? And so I think in terms of helping our clients, it means that if we have to call, well, we have to call a thousand people for search, it's not going well. But my point is, is that we will do whatever it takes because we're not afraid of what if this person isn't is a waste of time for interviewing. We'll figure it out then, right? But like, what can we do? And also, one of the things that um, I always tell the team is <sighs> recruiters, and we don't just do recruiters, like I said, we have um, consulting, but recruiters always get the bad rap as being transactional or order takers or just, you know, whatever. We're retained search. People pay us a lot of money to do what we do. And so um, I always tell our client, or, or the team is we need to be true consultants, not just recruiters. So if we see you have a janky job description, we'll do it, you know, with respect and we'll do it diplomatically. We'll be like, hey, you know, you need to update this. We will tell you if you have an ugly baby. So if you're asking for the world <laughs> and you're paying low market, we're going to tell you that this is not realistic. And if a company doesn't want to work with us because that cool, because it wouldn't have been successful anyway, because we know that there's too much of a chasm. So we just keep it pushing. And again, the no fear thing. I'm not worried about losing business that probably shouldn't belong to us. So this is how it works. We're going to be very transparent and upfront about it. And if it works for you, welcome to CT. If not, that's cool. Have a blast with someone else. That's amazing. I think that's one of the things that our audience, we, we always, it's some of the same things always come out when we talk to guests um, over the years um, about like networking and just connecting and being in doing things that are aligned with who you are. And I think you do that very well. And I think that your personality is like all through like CTE. And I love that because that whole no fear thing, that's something that people have a hard time. Like, what if you don't have that? What if you don't have innately? What if you don't have that no fear thing? What if you're nervous about approaching people about anything, about a job, about a client, you know, client relationship? If people want to gain that skill, that skill or that knowledge, and they, they they just don't have it in them, they want to start going down that path. How do they? How would you suggest that they do that? I will speak because something that, that I talk about a lot is you know neurodivergence and being an introvert, right? And so I will take it from this perspective. For me, it happened like I gave you that lesson um, in entertainment, and so once I got into recruiting and. It's just like, you're not going to be successful not being able to talk to people and build rapport, right? And so it is a function of my job. So like I actually, when I was at Taco Bell, I led this um, uh, course for the IT team about being an introvert because, you know, sometimes stereotypes are true and tech people can typically be Mm -hmm. more skewed introvert. And so everyone was like, you're an introvert? Like, oh my God. And I'm just like, guys, I'm your HR business partner. If I just had my office door closed and never talked to you to get to know you, I would not do well in my job. If I don't do well in my job, what don't I get, Camille? What don't I get? Okay, tech. I'll go aside, right? Like, but that's true. Like, I have to do that to be successful. And I will tell you this. To answer your question, I think it has to be, you have to be motivated enough to do that, right? And so, like, people have seen me, um, like, when I was in business school and you're recruiting, 
you would, I'm Johnny on the spot, fam. Like, I will, if there's a line waiting, no fear. I will step right in front of, hey, but like, and my thing is like, you gonna call me or you check me fine, but if you don't say anything, that's on you, right? So like, I will be the most extroverted because I'm there to achieve a goal. That being said, I'm sitting on an airplane, I'll probably never talk to you. <laughs> Just got my headset on and, and keep my, but I'm even trying to get better at that as an entrepreneur because you never know what could be next to work. But I think to, to hopefully answer your question, I think it depends what the value is. And so when I used to go to conferences as an mm-hmm. employee, it was like, all right, we're going to LinkedIn, we're going to the thing. It's like, cool, I'm going to sign up for the courses that look interesting and I think can help me in my job, pay attention, come back. Hey guys, here's what I learned. Here's how we can be better, right? It had nothing to do with like, I didn't need to meet other people there to be successful, right? Now it's flipped. Um, when we go to conferences, I'm not there to sit down because I, I made a rookie mistake the first time. I went the whole way and I was like, wait, I can't meet people if I'm listening respectfully. I'm not going to just like, hey, forget the speaker. How are you doing? My name is Kyle, right? And so now when I go, it's all about meeting individuals. I went to a conference two weeks ago. I went to two events and that was because clients were speaking. Besides that, I was just meeting people and chopping it up. So I think it becomes how important is it to you and what is the purpose? So for example, if it's, hey, I'm in this, this organization and I want to make sure that, you know, the marketing, the CMO knows who I am and I get exposure to people, da, 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 then I think if it's important enough for you, you'll do it. And there's things that you can go to, like, um, what do they call it? Like, uh, what's the speaker thing that people do? Not Franklin Company, but that's one of them. There's another one. There's TED Talk and there's another one. I can't think of it right now, but um, there are groups that will help people. Like, I want to say like gold winner or like, but I would say get some resources like that. Obviously, you can read books, but I think it's really important to know, like, why are you doing it? Because there are certain roles where you can be a computer programmer and just, again, if you're not trying to be the CTO, you're just like, I want to be the best program ever. There might not be worth the squeeze for you to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? I have a question about, because sometimes, you know, when you're in the talent space, there can be good talent. And, you know, we come across just in our industry, we come across so many resumes, so many candidates, and they're looking for their perfect job and, you know, really looking to get their foot in the door and things like that. And sometimes talking to candidates or trying to network with them is frustrating because it's like, people should know this and people should know that. Why do you have a 12 page resume? Like, you know, things like that. Like, so what is it? Have you, I I, I guess I would like for us to like, help me help you, right? If you could say to like people that are looking in the market right now, because there are a lot of people, especially in tech, there are a lot of people on the market. What can people do to like help themselves to, to gain that new role, that new position? Because I feel like a lot of people do themselves a disservice by just not getting information or learnings or talking to people that could really, you know, help them polish their skills or network or talk to people. So what are some things that you wish candidates would know about how to kind of present themselves, you know, for opportunities? So I'll start presenting yourself and work back. So for, for resume is such an, and again, I'll shoot people some bills. Sometimes people are like, Hey, I got hired at this company 12 years ago and I graduated college. I've been promoted, but I haven't had, had to make a resume. So like, you know, need some help. So the first thing I'd say is just honestly ask your friends, you know, some people you respect, like, oh, do you have some resume examples? Or obviously, you know, Google is your friend. You can find that just from a formatting. And and do something like, you know, examples of best marketing HR, whatever you do, and you can kind of pull from that. So I'd say, number one, obviously check for spelling errors and all that good stuff. But here's what I think is more important. Obviously, be prepared for the interview, read the job description, research the website. 
But I think, like to your point, in this market where it's a little spooky, especially in tech, listen, we all know that a company can post a job. And by the time, let's say it's been a month and it's moving really well, let's say even two months, they're, they got their three or four candidates moving through final rounds. They feel like, shoot, if we don't get Carla, we'd be happy to get Camille. We think we can get them. So recruiters like anyone else, they're efficient. So if I've got 10 recs and my boss is telling me, we got, we're pretty good on this one, but we just opened this. Guess what? Yep, I'm going to work with a new search because no candidates. So if you hit 100 out of 100 of the KPIs for that role, but you applied at that point and no one's looking in the ATS, sorry for you. So to mitigate that, I always tell people, who do you know at the organization? And don't just value the, um, the level of the person, value the strength of the tie, Right. And what I mean by that is, and I've seen this happen for, in terms of recruiting, and I've, this has helped me in business development. So for example, if you, I'll just give this example, Meta. If you met Mark Zuckerberg at some conference, you spoke to him for two or three minutes, and you know, we both like tacos or whatever, cool. By the time he leaves that event, he's forgotten who you are because he's got a lot of stuff to be Everyone knows who he is, he doesn't know who anyone is, and he's going to forget. So if, I don't know, just out of a large yes, he gave you his card, don't call me anytime you do it. He might not remember or just being honest, he might not care. He's got other stuff to do. But if there is someone who you know is maybe, again, associate brand manager, not like a huge corporate person, but they really like you and they think you're great, that person is going to be the one going to HR like, what's up with the referral program? So I, I submitted Kyle. What's up? He's a, you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to ride for you and support you. And I sometimes see people think like, let me just shoot my shot at the CEO because I met them at some conference or whatever. And it's like, they have too many things to do. But if you go for the people who really care about you, they're going to have more of an impetus and more, um, you know, desire to make sure you get pushed through. Um, when I say pushed through, I don't mean like you're not fitting, but just to make sure someone gets humanized on your, your your resume and you get an actual opportunity. Other thing I'd say is if you do know someone, please, please, please apply first before you hit the yeah. person and say it because yes. it shows that I'm not trying <laughs> yes. to oh my gosh. use the process. I'm doing the right thing, but I'd be silly not to use a resource that I have as well. Yeah. And one other thing I'd say is as much as you can recession proof or recession resilient industries. Right. So like there's a lot of software things like put this way. They're not a client. Spotify. Things get rough. Spotify is gone. Goodbye. If I need dialysis, guess what? That is going to be the last yeah, thing that exactly. I do. Uh, cutting off my power to my house is going to be the last thing I do. So one of the things I've, I've been telling people is I know it's sexy to be these, you know, startup companies and all that, but you know, what's really sexy having a company that exists. So for now, Batten down the hatches, go for companies that, you know, you feel are going to be somewhat resilient. QSR, you know, fast food is another yeah. really good one because in good times they do well, but in bad times, you start looking at that Taco Bell $7 box. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say 100% do that. And like I said, the network is the biggest part. Yeah. Yes. I know we talked about, you know, candidates getting jobs, but I know as a business owner, you employ people. You've managed people in the past. And also you help candidates get connected with your clients in trying to fill the role. So from managing people yourself, but also getting feedback on the candidates that you've provided and that have actually been successful at certain companies. What are some themes of things that you're seeing that employers are impressed by? They love about these various candidates that they're like, oh my goodness, Kyle, this person has this, this, and this. Six months later, they're still rocking it. It looks like this, and we can't thank you enough. 
Or what is it that you've seen managing people where you're like, man, that's a star right there. Like, I can't even buy that. That that's a star. What are some of those qualities or or skill sets or soft skills that people have that people are just glowing about? Like they're really going over the top, telling you, giving you that feedback that they love. So one basic thing, we'll go deeper in this because I think back when I started recruiting, it was like de rigueur, like you had to write a thank you note. Now it's very rare. And so like I would tell anyone applying for a job, no one is going to be like, yo, this corny, we're going to hire uh you know, Kyle, but this corny son of a gun wrote us a thank you note, so forget that. No one is ever going to ding me. Right. And nine times out of ten, you're going to stand out as possibly the only one who did that. And so, if anything, yeah, so I would say definitely do that. But the other part is, and that's incumbent upon our, our recruiters, is to be able to really explain, not just the job, because the job is a job. Jobs change, you get promoted, move over, whatever. What is the company culture and goals, right? And so, hiring, because I feel the same way at CTE, when someone comes in for an interview and you can tell that Beyond just like what's publicly out there, they've taken notes from the other people they've spoken to and they're like, oh, well, for example, I know your, your goal is to get 40K new subscribers every month and that may not be out there. It's like, oh, okay. So people who show that genuine interest and have done the research, that is a good arbiter that they're going to be successful. And upon the role, it's the kind of person who says, I know you didn't ask me to do this, but I think this could be better. I'll give you a quick example of my company. I'm a shout out um, Matt Lights. He's my um, director of operations. Uh, he started out uh, early as the chief of staff and maybe the first day he was like, yes, I think I'm going to stay in my wife's uh, healthcare. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, why? He was like, I mean, it's kind of high. And I think, you know, listen, but I think we could find something like we could get a PO, get more benefits and spend less money. Right. Here's the thing. What I loved about that. Number one, he could have, he took the risk of like maybe offending me, right? Because this was the first time. This is he was I think our sixth employee. So at employee five, I was like, went straight to United Healthcare to go ahead and get health health plan because like I never wanted the reason I couldn't get a great candidate to be well we don't have healthcare, right? right. Got to invest in yourself and invest in the company. And so I was just happy to have it. But he came in where he could have just been like, and people stay on their partner's thing. It's not weird. He could just said. Shh. And that would have been that, and we would have kept going, and maybe people wouldn't have exactly told us why they turned down the offer. But that would have been bad that he had the confidence to say, hey, here's a problem, but also I think I can fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like that is so important. And it's one of those things where if you can make someone's job easier, uh, make a process more efficient, save someone money or make money, those are the biggest, uh, unless your CEO is a maniac, the biggest ways to ensure that you have job security. Yes. I love that. So we're getting into the part of our podcast where we want to have fun, right? So Kyle, we know all you you don't do all business all day, all night, every day. We know that you have other interests outside of work, which is good. It's a balance, right? So we used to do this thing like talking to people about music because we talked about hip hop and that's, I mean, we grew up in the hip hop era and we love hip hop ourselves. So we usually ask our guests, like, if you're working, you're trying to crank out something, what's the song that you're hitting play on to motivate you and inspire you? The first track on Young Jeezy, Thug Motivation 101. <laughs> you got to believe. You got to believe. Yeah. That, that, is, that is my let's get busy, let's, let's get it done. Like, yeah, yeah that's the yeah. one. That's the one. All right. Top three hip-hop artists for Kyle. Oh, music over? 
Do we care about just the music, or are we talking about the person? Um, oh yeah. Well, I, I know. I think I know what you who you want to say. <laughs> it could be who you prefer. Uh, just the music. Okay. okay. Right before you know we're nuts. And honestly, I've been thinking about this, and and and, and probably shouldn't say on the podcast. I'm supposed to be presenting myself as a businessman. <laughs> this is fun. But, uh, Drake versus Drake versus um Kendrick. Okay. Oh, okay. I used to be Drake. But like from a quality of albums perspective, Kendrick hasn't missed. Drake has released a mid, but then Drake puts out more volume. So you know what? Today, because we are going to go see Drake and Twenty One Savage uh, this summer, so I'm gonna say Drake. All right, all right, awesome! It's so many good concerts this summer. Like I can't keep up. I know. I'm done. I, I got. We're going to see Jill Scott next month. We're going to see Beyonce. And then I'm done. In this economy, like, I, right. I, we're outside now. Right. Let's have fun. I think, I think all Chill. these artists are making up for the pandemic when they couldn't tour. And so they're like, oh. And then Ticketmaster's like, let's stack on these fees, too. So. Oh, and, and by the way, I think uh, 100% with that. The other thing is, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, like, lately with all the, the AI music there, the oh, yeah. break and weekend yep. songs. Yep. So here's the thing. It's still relatively new and in its nascency. I think one of the reasons these ticket prices are so high, and I don't mean just like the resellers, I mean like just legit, like, no, the, the base ticket is going to be high, is because, think about it, is the AI gets better. And if you could say, I want to hear Stevie Wonder sing a Chris Brown song, and it literally sounds just like Stevie Wonder, or you can make, write your own song and make Drake sound it, sign it, sign, you know, sing it, or rap it, the way that becomes, you know, anything in life that's, that's uh, scarce is more expensive. So it's like, you're going to get me on the stage. This is the oldest. Not an AI me. It's the real me. And I think that they're trying to get ahead of that, right? Because the music experience with streaming and whatever, it's kind of cheap and commoditized. And with AI, I think that's the one way that they can really, you know, provide an experience you can't get anywhere else for now. Since we're talking about I know, AI. I to get it. <laughs> just, 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 just one right there. You know, we also have some things going on in the professional spaces. People are taking headshots with AI photography. Then we also have the chat GPT that helps you write a discipline letter or an offer letter or no, we don't want you letter. <laughs> things like that. What do you, how do you think that AI is going to change the face of work? Man. So one thing I say is be careful you read those terms and conditions because a lot of the stuff, like if you put code in chat GBT or whatever, guess what, buddy? Thank you. It's ours. So if you got some million dollar idea or something, don't put it in there because they're like, oh, this is great. We should do a store for fishes or whatever. Um, I think that it's going to be something that we work along. And just like most technology eliminates some jobs, but creates new ones, right? So like Uber eliminated a lot of taxi jobs, but personally, you can be an Uber driver. I think it's like, you know at one point it was like, press seven for this. And we're just like, what? And annoyed. Now we just accept it. We just know zero, 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 zero till I get an agent, right? They've just said, this is the, the new normal and we just begrudgingly accept it. I think AI is going to be like that. So for example, there are companies now that for, um, you know, uh, hourly worker roles like restaurants or retail, they'll, and it's convenient, right? So you can do an AI interview at 4 a.m. in the morning if you want. So that's great. They'll do that. At the level that we do work at, like, the CEO is not about to like talk to a robot, you know what I'm saying, and do that interview. But as the technology moves up and it becomes more of a real thing and it literally feels like talking to a human being, then the CEO is like, this is great. I can do this interview uh, in the cab from my business meeting or whatever the case is and not have to worry about anything. So 
I think it's like you need to adapt or die. And we have been, just like everyone else, spending a lot of time trying to figure out how we can use it because Fortune 500 companies are using it and they have a lot of money and stuff behind it. So for smaller companies, if you don't get adroit and, and, and skilled in this, you're going to be behind the eight ball very quickly. And I have one last yeah. question to round this out um, because sometimes when you're in corporate America or even a business owner, it, people don't understand it's a lot of work. Like it really is. It's a lot of work being in corporate, of course, but it's also a lot of work being an entrepreneur. So what sparks joy for you? What sparks joy for you? What sustains you? And I often tell people that impact is better than influence. And I do think that, Kyle, you make a lot of impact wherever you go. You leave a, a successful path and trail for others. So what is that spark of joy, the thing that sustains you to continue to pursue excellence at CTE? So you'll you'll like to answer this. So beginning when it was just just me, like it was for the first year or so or whatever, um, Money. <laughs> you know, it was just listen. I started the company, and my goal was if I can make as much money in the first year as I made as an employee in my last job, plus I don't have a boss. Right. Right. About half a month, in, half a year, and I was like, "Damn, all right, did that." So then I was like, "Oh, this is why people start business. This is fun. You get to get all the money, right?" But that was it when it was just me or small. Now I'm not even the highest paid person in my company. It's about growing it. But what really gives me the joy is when we get something from a candidate, I'm sorry, not a candidate, but that too. Uh, we had a candidate actually give one of our recruiters a gift card um, as a thank you. And it's like, the thank you is you got a job that's giving you $100,000. Like, that's great. But like, I think I'm a hell of a recruiter. I've never had a candidate actually give me a gift, but he felt so well taken care of by our recruiter, Hannah, that he decided to do that. That makes me feel great. When I get a, um, we had a, a call with a client, uh, the head of HR for a client earlier this week, and she said that um, she was talking to the CEO and he was like, you know what? Working with CTE on the searches made, made me realize that maybe we need to, not maybe, we need to look at other firms because I don't think that the firm we usually talk to would have gotten us as candidate. Like, I don't think they would have presented her. They would have thought to look for her, et cetera, right? And so that is what makes me feel really excited. You know what I'm saying? Like, that feels good because, again, we're making an impact. The whole goal of this is to help companies, you know, get better and succeed and provide great opportunities for candidates. And so when that like meshes and you got the person like, we listen, uh, I, I'll, I'll just say that uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, the, Camille was a placement of mine. Uh, almost, And she loves it. Her boss and the company loves her. What more could you ask for? Right? Like stuff like that makes you feel really, really good. Because again, I am not the transactional, like here's a person, see you later. It's like, I want that person to actually drive impact and help the company. And really one of the best things too is when you put someone in place and then they call you to put someone on their team, right? So you're just like, oh, this is dope. Amazing. And thank you. I want to thank you, hopefully, Kyle, for your amazing work and your connection. Like, that's why I say, like, the title of this podcast, that's my Well, thank you so much to everybody that tuned in for this episode. We want to thank our guest again, Kyle. Thank you for spending time with us today, taking time out of your schedule to share your wisdom with our audience and make sure you subscribe and like our podcast and share it with others because uh, Kyle dropped some gems today. So make sure you spread that love. Thank yeah, you so much, everybody. Be, okay, go ahead, Kyle. My first podcast. I stepped all over it. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but I'll be sure that this will be shared all over um, LinkedIn. And thank you guys for the opportunity. This was awesome.
I think it's dope what you guys are doing. And it's kind of like one of the things people have talked about. Like, I don't know if you are doing this and don't answer this without private conversation. If you're doing this because it's something fun to do or it's like, hey, you know, Willie Caller Daddy got 20 M's a year talking about whatever. Like, you know, there's a business thing. I think, it, I think it's great, but also it's helpful, right? Like you're helping people. You're helping them understand talent, how to act in certain things. Um, like you said, how to present yourself. So I think you're doing really good work. Uh, I'm just happy to support. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Looking for a network to elevate your career goals? Membership with the Black in HR has benefits designed to elevate you as a professional. Our members grow their careers, connecting through networking events, professional courses, and social groups. The Elite Membership Program includes discounts on coaching and courses private events, and free masterclasses from world-class instructors. Visit theblackinhr.com to register and join us. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at The Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.